John Green, Writer, Podcaster, YouTuber, <laughs> Football Supporter. When we were about to start this episode, I started saying that, and Cheryl was like, "Okay, you need to you need to start it that way." He's way more than that too. He's like an influencer. I don't think he would call himself an influencer, but he's I a agree. bit of a celeb. I'd say he is. He is. He probably gets recognized quite frequently. Yeah. Though he lives in Indianapolis, not like LA. So that probably doesn't help. I think he's such an important part of YouTube culture. Of just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe not like every single person or every single, yeah, person in our generation. Uh, knows about the vlogbrothers like that would be that that would be a stretch but i think a lot of our peers know about vlogbrothers and even like my boyfriend who's irish knows about vlogbrothers like wow i think so many people have been influenced by john green and hank green so i think john green is more than just the fault in our stars yeah yeah, and I mean, the the work that the two of them do, so John and Hank Green have a YouTube channel called Vlog Brothers, which is how they sort of got into the public eye to begin with. And I think they started in like very, very early days, like 2008, 2009, maybe 2007. Mm. So they were like some of the first people to make videos and to actually gain a following. And their community is called Nerdfighters. And they have just created so much because of, like, the the influence they have and the impact. Like, Crash Course is hugely popular. They have a couple of different, like, educational channels, which I see people using, like, in schools, like, in high school. Um, Their educational channels are used all the time. SciShow, they have a podcast, Dear Hank and John. They have an annual charity fundraiser. Um... As I mentioned last time, Project for Awesome. They they just do a lot. And I love it. Yeah. And I think there's something really nice about the Vlogbrothers format as well. Because they don't... I assume they don't live in the same place. I don't know where Hank lives, mm-hmm. though. Hank lives in Missoula, Montana. Right. So I think I just love the format of them talking to each other. Like, the fact that they mm-hmm. start every video with, like, oh, hi, John, or, like, whatever, because they are... Good morning, Hank. Yeah, they, they are talking to each other, and it's, like, their their form of doing a project together. And, in fact, that's something that I love about our podcasting as well, which is mm. we don't live in the same place, but the fact that we get to record and we're working on a project together... I think really strengthens our friendship and you know a lot of the times when you're hanging out with your friend you're sitting there watching something or going out for dinner or going for drinks or going for walks and there's something nice about doing an activity with people and that I think is great and that's what I mean in some ways I'm sure Vlogbrothers has inspired a lot of things but um, that probably has somehow subconsciously inspired this podcast as well Mm, yeah i just thought of a terrible comparative name for us oh no vlog sisters (laughs) 
We are not sisters. John and Hank are actually they brothers, are, yeah. so it works for them. And it, it started... It, like, they weren't trying to get famous on YouTube. No. They, I don't even think they knew that that was an option at that yeah. point because no one was really using YouTube. They didn't know what its capacity would be in the future. But, like, they were living apart for the first time. And so they started doing, like, video diaries to each other. And then, wouldn't you know it, they got quite famous. And they were actually the ones who started VidCon, which is the biggest conference for YouTubers now, I think. Is it still? I think it must be. Probably. I don't think there's anyone that I know of that's bigger, at least. Yeah, I, I went to NerdCon, actually, which was one of their conferences mm. in 2017. Um, so I have seen them in real life. In the flesh. But they've never come to Canada. Oh. In the flesh, yeah. Um, What did Hank do before, obviously, now, I think Hank just does a lot of YouTubing and content creation. But what did he do before? Well, he has written books. He has um, oh. two books. Um, I thought that came later, books. though. Were they both it authors? Did, yeah. No. They're both authors now and TikTokers. Oh, weird. Hank is actually very popular on TikTok. That is weird. The fact that they're on TikTok and, I think and I'm not. There's a whole group of people. Like, he's very popular on TikTok. So there's a ton of people who know him only as Hank Green TikToker and not Hank Green anything else. What? Which is funny. That's crazy. Um, he used to be a science communicator. Mm. So he, I think his background is in environmental science and science communication. That's what his, I think his master's is in, yeah, something environment and biology. Um, but he didn't, there wasn't too much time between like when he finished school and when they started doing Vlogbrothers. But yeah, they're both multi-hyphenates is that is that what you call people who have who like do a lot or have a lot of titles oh i no. didn't know that was a term but there we go <laughs> i don't think it's used much and then john green was obviously an author yes he always wanted to write he actually thought he was going to be an episcopal episcopal wow i'm struggling with that word episcopal priest oh gosh he i don't know what was that a is student chaplain and he couldn't he couldn't handle like seeing children dying in hospitals on the day-to-day um so he well part partly that was in- inspired the fall in our stars but yeah he realized that was not the path for him i see well i'm glad that john green decided to be an author and also do vlog brothers with hank green i i will admit i do not watch them every time that the videos come out In fact, I probably don't even follow any of their other channels, but I think that I really love it when I do end up watching the occasional one because I think they're really timely and they're really relevant and they speak in a way where it's so easy to understand complex topics and that's that's amazing. And it's so like kind of ironic in a way if because last episode we talked about how these teenagers... They are, especially like the John Green style of writing teenagers is more intellectual and they sound a lot wiser and more um, mature. And yeah, like they don't speak like even I do. And I'm not a teenager, but I'm closer in age to Hazel Grace than than like, I don't know, John Green is. But Mm -hmm. in general, I think that's so ironic because they are both, like, both John Green and Hank Green on Vlogbrothers 
they're so good at colloquially explaining really complex topics and also things that are really timely and really important for people to understand. So I find that kind of like humorous that he's known to have these characters that speak <laughs> not like realistic teenagers. Like speaking riddles. Yeah. But then they do such a great job being very like informal in real life in their other careers. It's just just fun. Yeah, that is that is funny. That's quite ironic, actually. But yeah, I I love them both. And I'm so glad that like I don't know that I'm I'm part of this community. You know, it's funny, when I was first reading Looking for Alaska, which I mentioned in the last episode, I got it out from the library and inside the book there was this little note from someone. There used to be this trend where when you read a John Green book and then you passed it on or you know if you got it from the library or if you were selling it or donating or whatever you would write a little note um to the next person just about you know being a nerd fighter and the vlog brothers and whatever and when I read Looking for Alaska I got a little note like that in the book but I like didn't do anything with it Mm. and I had no idea who John Green was I'd only heard of the book, but then a couple of years later, I discovered Vlogbrothers, and then I was like, "Oh my god, these are my people!" So from then on, I've you know taken part in the Project for Awesome and always watch their videos and read all their books. So I I can't believe that I missed out on that in grade eleven or twelve, but at least I caught up later. Yeah. What um would you say that you're now more a fan of? John and Hank Green or like like you know John Green because obviously you were introduced to John Green through the books first so you were introduced Mm -hmm. to a small part of the of the fandom there from reading the books but now do you think it's no longer like the books come first it's like now the Mm Vlogbrothers the Project for Awesome the Nerd Fighter tribe let's say that you are now more embedded into or do you still consider yourself more of the book fan as like the the thing that you associate most with yeah okay well I'll answer it this way now when I read John Green books he's still writing I don't even remember how many books he has by this point because The Fault in Our Stars was his sixth book two of them had been like co-written but it was his sixth book and since then he's written a bunch more like just off the top of my head, the Anthropocene Reviewed, which was kind of a memoir, and then also Turtles All the Way Down, which is coming out. Give a little pause. Yeah, soon. <laughs> they are turning that one into a movie as well, which I'm very excited about. But now, when I read his books, I'm like, oh, this is John. Even when he's writing characters, like fictional characters, I know, I know that it's him. I feel like I know him so well as a person, his personalities, his his way of talking that I I see him in these characters and in the way he writes. And I don't think that there's anyone else who I know as well. I know that, you know, parasocial relationships, whatever, we don't actually know celebrities, but I feel like I know him more than almost any other celebrities who I feel like I have a parasocial relationship with because I've been watching him for so many years and because he injects so much of himself into his characters and his books. So now, yes, I think... I'm more about like the community and John and Hank as people rather than the books. I just read their books because I like them as people. And I know that I like their writing because of that. 
I think you touch on something so interesting there, um, which has to do with, if there's a terminology, but like people with like lots of different projects, they all end up working with each other to fuel fandom. So John Green being um, an author and having this channel of teenage YA novels and like people discovering John through that or people could discover um, John through Vlogbrothers or through through Hank Green, through like literally Hank's TikTok, you know, like all of these different channels, they mm-hmm. fuel each other. So by having all of these different projects and these collective um, channels that um, all lead to each other, all of them end up being more successful. Like, I, I think that's a really important part of internet culture and an important part of content creation is that usually if you're a fan of, let's say, a YouTuber and that YouTuber, Emma Chamberlain is a really great example. So she started off as a YouTuber and then she launched her coffee company and then now she has a podcast and then now she's on, you know, Vanity Fair, Vogue, on red carpets and all of that. And she's pretty much like stopped YouTubing and she only has like a video every so often when she's traveling or when like inspiration strikes. She doesn't even classify herself as a YouTuber anymore, but she doesn't Mm -hmm. have to maintain her original source of popularity. She can still maintain her popularity because people who have discovered her through YouTube are now already on her podcast. And I think all of those different things, like people drinking her coffee, will every day drink coffee and see her product on their shelves. And it all fuels each other. It all becomes this one big connected beast, let's say. Beast is like probably a weird word. But I think that's really important to note that John Green's popularity, The Fault in Our Stars popularity, all of those things are intertwined with the Vlogbrothers, I, I find, I personally think. And even um, Turtles All the Way Down, I think, is the new book that is the movie coming out. Like, I mm-hmm. have stopped reading his books, but I know that movie's coming out because I still sometimes watch their videos and I know about John mm-hmm. Green's life. And I probably will maybe take a chance on that film because I still continue engaging with those other avenues of John Green. Yeah, and also how how much like their brand has grown. Like they they have a bunch of podcasts. I listen to Dear Hank and John, but they have other ones as well. And they also have a newsletter and like I keep up with them as much as I can, but they they just put out so much. But I should make a distinction that like one thing I really like about them is they, they're more concerned with like creating impact than making money. Mm. So at this point, all of their profit from their YouTube channel, from, they do have a couple of businesses, Awesome Coffee Club and Awesome Socks Club. All of the profits of like all of their businesses are donated to charity Uh, And then all of their educational content, all of the revenue from that just goes right back into their content. And I think that that's, that's pretty unique. Like A, they do, they, they have made enough money that they're, they're okay with that. They're comfortable. But like when they, when they embark on new projects now, or when they create new ventures or new companies, they're doing it specifically to, to raise money. So love that. Yeah. 
I love that too. Yeah, I don't know if there's like an equi- equivalent Vlogbrothers that exists that you, at least mm-hmm. like I haven't encountered something similar. Have you on the ethernets and... No, I think I think they're totally unparalleled. Like there's just... Well, first of all, they're a duo, so they're able to get more done. Right. But I think that they're just such like good humans mm. not to you know make them seem like so far godly above or or, yeah godly or holy or whatever but like i just genuinely think that they are good people um and everything that they do reflects that and i just love both of their outlooks their curiosity their um yeah just ability to look at the world complexly and to communicate that and their their like passion and, and interest so anyways that's probably enough of me like ranting about the ways that they've impacted my life but I do feel like it's it's relevant here it's totally relevant I mean that's why this episode is all about John Green um and (laughs) you can't talk about John Green without talking about Hank and the Vlogbrothers and all of those other ventures that they have worked on or are working on like you can't talk about at least I mean I'm a big sports fan so I feel like I can't talk about John Green without AFC Wimbledon. Like that's yeah. something that I <laughs> associate him with. And he's not someone that I think people would naturally associate with football. But because I know the story, because I I think it's like somehow so random but so wonderful what he did that I think it's it's a great thing. And it's so interesting that in fact there's a lot of topics that I find loosely somehow like tied to the Vlogbrothers, whether it's Hank or John, just because some of those videos that they make, they're just so impactful. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we referenced one of their videos. Um, I don't remember the exact terminology, but it's like the depths of knowing, of being too aware when... Um, when you're too aware of something, when you have so much information and you get more and more into like, oh, there are no solutions that would ever be able to solve the world's problems. And then you end up in this well of despair. That's not that's not the right terminology. I'm sure like, I think Hank was the one who did the video and I'm pretty sure he called it something else. I definitely don't consider myself as big of a fan or a nerd fighter or any way part of the community. But like every so often when I do end up engaging, like it does reach me in some way and it's so memorable. And I really admire them for being able to kind of intercept different very like far removed it seems like parts of my life that have nothing in common but somehow are now in common because of them if that Mm. makes sense yeah I have a whole playlist on YouTube of just my favorite vlogbrothers videos because every so often I'll just like watch one and be like wow that in changed that changed my entire outlook on this one particular thing like I have so many since I listen to their podcast, I have so many quotes that I've written down from them, which seem sort of mundane, but are just like, kind of mind blowing. Like just one example is I used to have this poster in my room. That was something John said in a video that entirely reframed my way of thinking about like, nerdiness or like, uh, you know, obsessing, like being a fan. Uh, I'll, I'll just read it out. Nerds like us are allowed to be unironically un- enthusiastic about stuff. 
Nerds are allowed to love stuff, like jump up and down in your chair, can't, can't control yourself, love it. When people call people nerds, mostly what they're saying is, you like stuff. Like, you are too enthusiastic about the miracle of human consciousness. And I was like, wow, being a nerd is not a bad thing. I should embrace it. This was back in, you know, second or third year where it was really helpful to me. But Aww. yeah, there's just there's just a lot of ways that they've like imprinted on me as a person. I love that. That's so that's just so lovely. They just sparked that thing of like positivity. And even when times are really hard, like I remember watching a couple of their videos during the pandemic, like it's still it's still kind of like weirdly optimistic. Like they give off like mm-hmm. a, a kind of joyous vibe even when they talk about very serious matters, I think the act of them like just talking about those serious and really important things on their platform just brings a bit of optimism that there are people talking about really serious things and enlightening people in a way. I'm sure there's like still like echo chambers that like we're in a Vlogbrothers echo chamber, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that whenever I like reading the comments of their videos or interacting with, you know, fans of Faulkner Stars or whatever, that like, this is an echo chamber. But I think it's one of those echo chambers that it would improve the world. They always say like, they want to decrease world suck. I actually think that it would decrease world suck if more people were part of their community, watch their videos, engaged with them. Like, I just think that they're such a a force for good. Um, I have a sticker on my laptop that said this this machine decreases world suck. I'm looking at it right now. It's from one of the Project for Awesome. And I just think that's so cute. I think let's let's end there because it's a, such a great <laughs> note to end on. And derailed um, a little bit from the fall in our stars, but... Still relevant. I guess it's about... Yeah, it's it's about impact. Like the yeah. impact that John and Hank Green had and that, that books can have ultimately and characters. Yeah. Let's talk about what we've been watching recently. Is there anything hopeful that we've been watching? I have two extremely unrelated to the Vault in Our Stars Oscar movies that I watched recently. Well, three actually. But I... <laughs> you should go first. I'll, I'll decide which of these is the most, the most relevant. Okay. I have hopped on the bandwagon and I am watching The Last of Us. So it's not hopeful. Mm. At all. <laughs> but I guess, like, it is, in a way. Like, I think any kind of survival dystopian movie, you 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 need hope. Like, we talked about this during the Hunger Games conversations about, like, you need that thread of hope in order for the story to move along. Because if you just have, like, despair after despair after despair, it just feels like, well, you're not going to be able to survive. And the audience gets run down. So I'm only on the first episode of The Last of Us. To be honest, like, I just didn't expect it to be like an hour and 20 minutes long. So it's taking me a while because I need to slot out an hour and a half of time. And usually I'm watching a show or anything like at the end of the day. So it feels more satisfying watching multiple YouTube videos, you know, that are like 10 minutes long rather than like watching a full episode of something. This sounds like me trying to get through Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. so hard. There's definitely commonalities, like lots of parallels there. I I don't know if I love it. And I know that's controversial because everyone 
is praising it. Everyone loves it. I think it's it's not my jam. Like, I never really got into The Walking Dead. I don't even think I really tried it. And to be honest, I watched, like, the first season of Lost and I didn't really get into that, really. But I think I was too young to get into Lost. I mean, maybe I wasn't too young, but, like, the moment kind of passed when I was at a point in my watching TV career that, like, I would want to watch Lost and be really swept up by it. So I'm gonna stick with it because I think there are interesting things happening in the story and I really want to figure out, like, the relationship between, like, the main, uh, I guess, teenage tween character and, like, Pedro Pascal, but I don't yeah, I'm watching it because I'm hopping on the bandwagon. That's that's literally it. It's also a little bit of a Western, which we know how I feel about Westerns. All right, so survival movie, that's that's not a good thing in Cheryl's books. Western, not a good no, thing in No, survival movies, books. I think I... Really, because you just, you named two survival that's things true. that you don't like. No, and, I don't... And that seemed to be the common factor between them. But I didn't between them. dislike them. I just didn't stick with them. Like, I wouldn't okay. go around well, saying, like, I here. hate Lost, or I hated The Walking Dead, or I hated whatever. I don't... I just didn't stick with them. So, we'll see how The Last of Us goes. Huh. Well, that is intriguing, because, yeah, people love that they show. They are raving. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it just because I don't watch very much TV. Unless someone somehow sits me down and gets me to watch the first episode, and I'm really invested in it. I just... I don't see it happening. Unrelatedly, but the TV show that I talked about multiple times on the podcast here, 1899, was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? I knew that. How do you know that? Because you it was me. It was in the headlines. <laughs> I just assumed that you would know and I didn't want to open up know. a sore wound or uh, whatever. I don't know how it came up, but I was with some friends on the weekend and yeah, they were like, it was canceled. And I was like, <laughs> what? Anyways, that is weird though because everyone that I spoke with about the show also loved it, like including you, obviously. But I, I don't know. I don't know why it was canceled. That, like, that was weird when I read that. It was definitely high budget. the The only thing I can think is that it was expensive. But then, you know, just tone it down a little bit. Make the second season cheaper. If it's still popular, but you can't afford to make it, just make it more drama based like don't have as many special features don't set it in space or back in time or whatever that's annoying actually i watched the trailer <laughs> sorry to go on this little tangent but i watched the trailer for the upcoming season of shadow and bone the second season because i'd watched the first season last year when it came out and the top comment on that was everyone we need to watch this multiple times we need to feed the netflix algorithm <laughs> we can't let this get canceled and i was like that is so sad that fans feel like they are failing if their show gets canceled as if they haven't done enough anyways netflix not not good mad that also happened for mindhunter i don't know if you read that headline but mm -hmm. recently i always thought that it just ended naturally because i don't think i watched like the latest season but what happened in the headline it sounded like they'd always been considering doing another season but it was too expensive and there was no way mm -hmm. to like cut the budget 
And that seems to be a recurring theme for Netflix shows is that whenever things get too expensive, they don't proceed, even when there are fans and there are clearly like, um, like good buzz about shows. Maybe Netflix right now is just, you know, very cash sensitive. That's really sucky. That's really disappointing to hear because I know that most fans would rather a show just be made cheaper. Like as long as we have the characters, that's that's the most important part. I would rather have like a not as good, not as highly produced second season than to not have a second season at all. Yeah, but I I think it's not up to it's it's up to like the creators and also up to the people who are directing and producing. And that oftentimes isn't just Netflix. So if those creative decision makers are like adamant, I need this budget, then Netflix can only say like, well, we can't give you that budget. Because as well, Netflix is like making so much content. I don't know why I'm defending them. Like I, I go fans, <laughs> like definitely watch things and like, I don't know, like protest and whatever, like I'm totally on the fan side, but I'm just trying to think like why and what would be happening behind the scenes. But anyway, what have you been watching? All right, well, I'll talk about a sequel here because that that seems somewhat relevant. I watched the Black Panther sequel. Mm. We did watch this one on the podcast, I want to say like a year ago, yeah. maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in our in our Marvel phase. Yeah. Maybe a bit more than a year Maybe ago. more than a year. And this, well, I'll just say that I'm I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters. Like, I, ha- I have this aspiration to, like, basically watch every single movie that I'm somewhat interested in in theaters. And a lot of the time it doesn't end up ha- happening because it's not in theaters by the time I want to see it. And whatever. Anyways, watch this in advance of the Oscars. And I just didn't, I wasn't as interested in it as the first one. I thought the villain was far less compelling. Um, It was well made and, you know, it's beautiful. I think the costumes and makeup and world is amazing. But I just liked the first one a lot better. Yeah, I've kind of heard the same reviews. It also just didn't look that interesting, in my personal opinion. It wasn't about what I thought it would be about. Like, I had seen the trailers and the whole... I don't really want to call it the villain, but, like, the entire bad stuff or, like, the... What's another word for for villain? It's not just one person. It's, like, the... Antagonist? Opposing force of the film is just not in the trailers, at least not that I remember. So I was like, what? What? That's what this is about? What's going on? I was a bit confused. I am surprised that it's getting so much buzz. What? It was nominated for like a few Oscars, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it was like best song and best editing or sound or something like that. um, Isn't, um, what is her name? In Supporting Actress as well? Oh, yes. You're right. You're right. We, so I watched it with Laura, who is on the Oscars (laughs) podcast that we did. Last, Last week. Yes, we are also recording this pre-Oscar. So so yeah, that's the timeline. Anyway, continue. <laughs> if you missed our Oscars episode, you can go back and listen to it now and see what we got right with our predictions and what we didn't. But yeah, we didn't realize that Angela Bassett was 
on screen enough to constitute a nomination for Best Supporting Actress. She was good. We were just like, oh, wow, that's, I didn't think she had that much screen time. Um, but yeah, good, good performances all around. Well, um, this was a lovely conversation. Um, it was very hopeful at parts as well about the Vlogbrothers and John Green. And I'm just happy, like, talking about them because I think they are great people. I agree. Now I want to go watch all of the videos that I missed because I've, I've been a bit behind on videos. That is going to be it for today. We will resume talking some more about The Fault in Our Stars next week. We won't be talking about as much, you know, the fandom behind the author. Uh, but today was a lot of fun and I'll talk to you then. I'll talk to you next week. Tweet at us at WTF underscore with us if you have anything you want to talk about. And yeah, talk to you next week. Bye, Cheryl. Bye, Lara. Bye.